Hello and welcome back to Business of Film, episode number 16. My name is Jesse Eichmann and you are listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. Today we welcome the CEO of Seed and Spark, Emily Best, to the show. The best way to describe Emily is, well, she's kind of like a crowdfunding ninja. We get into such awesome conversations on this podcast with, with Emily about, you know, how do you get the highest conversion rates? What's working? What's not working? How do you really take advantage and maximize your crowdfunding campaign? So I really hope you get as much out of this podcast as we did interviewing Emily. There's also a special guest, Alistair. You'll have to listen to the show to, you know, see what Alistair's all about. But trust me, you won't be disappointed. And finally, if you enjoy listening to Business of Film, please head over to iTunes, write a review. It really helps out. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so I wanted to just get started here and introduce our listeners to you, Emily Best of Seed and Spark. Can you take us through a little bit of how you started in the business? Uh, sure. I was lied to. Um, sounds like a pretty typical story yeah. already. This is the film <laughs> business. This is great. This is perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, although I will say I was lied to with really the very best of intentions, um, when let's see it was 2010 was the summer and i was producing and um acting in a had a gabbler and it was a site specific uh production directed by john gold rubin and starring caitlin fitzgerald who is now uh plays libby masters on masters of sex which is a fantastic showtime show that everyone should be watching um and caitlin and i and the uh, assistant director, the company manager, the stage manager, the vocal coach, we were a group of women who had sort of like just through this play found our creative community that we had not known we were always seeking. And we really wanted to make more work together. And we complained a lot about the way women were portrayed on stage and screen. And we thought since there was enough sort of creative um will in the group, we couldn't really sit around and complain about it without actually trying to make work that didn't annoy us the way other things did. Um, basically because if you watch most movies, right, you have, uh, the sort of mouthy old soul, 16 year old who knows more than all the grownups, or you have the 32 year old woman for whom the only solution to life is a man. And it was really frustrating. So, um, so we set about to make a, a play. We were going to adapt a French new wave film to the stage, which if you think about it, like nine people would have come to see that. Yeah, but it would have been amazing. Yeah. It would have been amazing. Um, but at that time, Caitlin was making Newlyweds with Ed Burns, which is that film that he famously shot for $9,000. And he, uh, you know, he was using a 5D camera and one sound guy, and that was it. There was zero crew on that film. Um, and so Caitlin one night was like, guys, forget the stage play. Let's make a movie. It's so easy. And to be fair, her experience, apart from the sort of like Nancy Myers-esque stuff that she had done, she really felt like making independent films was really easy because that's what Ed Burns was demonstrating. And she invited me to set. And I met Ed Burns, who is a devastatingly handsome human being and you know he can look at you with those blue eyes and tell you something and you will believe him 
I'm you smiling know? over here. That's just, that's awesome. Right? So he's like, yeah. And he like talked us through it. And he was like, anything you need, just call our producers, blah, blah, blah. Just made it seem like it was going to be the easiest thing in the world. Which, if you've been doing it for 10 years with the same people, if you have, if all your friends have super sweet apartments that they're always willing to loan out to you, if you can walk into any restaurant in Tribeca and they will like clear out a section of the room for free for you to shoot your movie in, yeah, it's a lot easier. Um, we did not have those resources available to us. And the script that Caitlin and Caroline von Kuhn, uh, who directed the film that I will eventually get to talking about, uh, wrote was a, like a contemplative indie drama that took place on location in Midcoast, Maine. And none of the rules that were governing Ed Burns' film applied to us, basically. Um, now, I, I'm just going to stop you for half a sec there. It, it, is, it is kind of funny because we interviewed... William Rexer, uh, who if mm. William was the yeah. DP yeah. on Newlywed, so we actually have yeah. uh, an interesting uh, odd for those people that are listening. If, if they want to get the DP's uh, perspective on Newlyweds, you can go over to Craft Truck, click on William Rexer, and you can actually hear the other side to Emily's story. So, anyways, I just wanted to, to make that My connection gosh. for our audience. But but go ahead, please. I'm continue. doing that immediately after we get off this interview. Um, I, cause he was so cool and so helpful to us as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, so all of a sudden I was producing a feature film, um, because I'd produced theater and somehow we all thought that that would be enough experience. It's not by the way. Um, and I was very lucky to have a really, really incredible mentor um, who had been making movies in Los Angeles for a really long time. And he would get on the phone with me for hours and hours, and I would ask a zillion questions, and he would walk me through it. And, um, and so that was how I ended up making a movie. I didn't know that that would mean I was going to be in the film business. Um, it was really when we came up against difficulties in funding a film about women that doesn't have sex in it and isn't a rom-com, um, and, uh, distributing a film like that, uh, that I really wanted to start to like dig my heels in a little bit and say, well, wait a second, it can't have to be like this. Um, so we made the film it was called like the water. Um, we used a crowdfunding method all unto ourselves at the time because Kickstarter and Indiegogo were very new and like our friends knew about it, but they were all broke. So we sort of wanted something that our parents, like our friends' parents and our parents' friends would be comfortable with. And that's when we settled on uh, a wedding registry. So we decided we so would... So hold on, let me, ask you, let me ask you, what year is this? 2000, this is February of 2011. Okay, so the Kickstarters of this world, still nascent technology, uh, okay, wedding registry. Interesting. Yeah. I, very, in, it's funny because you're almost, you're, you're tapping into where are people comfortable to put in their credit card number? Right. Although, funnily enough, we just made a wedding registry, like I made a list on our WordPress site and put a PayPal link. And... This really interesting thing happened. So we made a, we made this list, and I, I made it look as much like a wedding registry as I could with my zero programming skills. Um, and uh, and we we wrote that we needed a camera and a car rental and bug spray and sunscreen and props and lobsters because we were shooting in Maine and uh, you know booze for the party scene and locations. We just listed everything we needed and then sent it out to people, and we listed their associated costs. Um, we sent it out to everyone we knew, um, with the promise of nothing more than their name in the credits. 
And then this really interesting thing happened. We raised uh, $23,000 in 30 days, which at that time would have been a really impressive crowdfunding campaign. Um, and uh, the part I didn't say is that, that that represented exactly the gap in our budget that we needed to fill in order to shoot on the schedule we wanted to. Um, but more interestingly, we raised literally hundreds of thousands more in loans and gifts of like locations and goods and services. So that's kind of when we thought we might be onto something. Okay. And so is, so then you go about making your film. Correct. We make, we make the movie. Um, we make the movie in July of 2011. We premiere it exactly one year to the day from when we started shooting at the Maine International Film Festival. And this really interesting thing happens. The first screening is really full. The second screening is at capacity. And the third and fourth screenings are beyond capacity. And there are people who've come back like two times or three times. Um, And in the very, very first screening, a woman who we would later learn was the mayor of Waterville, Maine, which is where... Uh, the main international film festival happens, raises her hand and says, thank you. Um, this is a film about women, the likes of which I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and it's sort of the thing that we've been waiting for. And we were like, well, that made the entire thing worth it. Um, and so we felt very sort of creatively accomplished. But then a much more interesting thing happened, which is every single place our film went Everywhere in the world, Romania, Oaxaca, all over the U.S., somebody from those, I think, 748 people who contributed to the campaign in some way or another um, showed up or sent their friends to one of the screenings. And every time we had a, a specialty screening, it was sold out lying down the block. So that's when we realized we might be onto something in terms of audience building, not just fundraising. Right. And okay, continue. I'm, I'm liking where this is going. I, I <laughs> just, just keep rolling here. This okay. Is yeah. So, um, so what that said to me, that experience was that, look, the, obviously the real, um, sort of gratification or utility of crowdfunding is, is kind of twofold, right? One is that it is the initiation of the marketing campaign that gains you the most engaged, excited ambassadors for your film. And that's something that studios pay incredibly large amounts of money to seek out. But crowdfunding allows you to make money while engaging that, crowd, that marketing campaign. So one thing that we thought was sort of missing in the, in the existing crowdfunding models was um, that the audience... Is, is sort of not totally the focus in a in a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, right? So um, really, those are funding platforms. And once the, a project is done funding, now you're just following a blog, right? right? Which I'm sorry, but like with all the noise out there, is is kind of of minimum utility. What would be really exciting is if you were following the progress of the project. I'm sorry about my dog. Um, if you're following Wait the second, progress, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Let's introduce your dog to the audience. Oh. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Alistair Beauregard Puppington the Third. That's a lot of names, and, uh, and, and Alistair is is what mix of breed? Alistair is a terrier mutt. He is Karen and Border and Maltese Terrier. He looks um, kind of like a Fraggle. 
Oh, good reference. For for those of us in our 30s, um, yeah, and that's that's Alistair. He will probably be interjecting his thoughts um, more than once during this interview. Welcome, Alistair, <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. He says thank you. Um, yeah, basically, we wanted a place where audiences could have a seamless experience um, and that filmmakers could not only build their audiences but monetize them because ultimately it, – it's not about fundraising, right? It's about filmmaking. And filmmaking is about, actually about getting your film seen by audiences. Um, and we can go into the, as I'm sure you have done on this show many times, the absolutely dismal statistics for return to creator on indie film. Um, it's, it's basically impossible right now for 99% of us to make a living making indie films. And um, that's the space we really wanted to enter into. But we believe that the answer to that is actually in what you're providing for the audiences. So take me then to the the seed of Seed and Spark. How did you mm-hmm. guys uh, how did you guys get started with this platform? So um <clears throat> Let's see, we finished shooting Like the Water in um, August of 2011. And throughout the fall, we were still raising money for post-production. And in talks with investors, we told them how we had raised this chunk of the production budget. And a couple of them said, wow, uh, have you thought about offering that to um, other filmmakers? And we were like, well, you know, there's platforms out there. Um, but then we, you know, we moved through post-production. We started to see the utility of it as an audience building platform in January of 2012. I went to Sundance with, uh, an iPad that had on it the wireframe, which is like the underwear of a website of something that at that time was called the independent media wish list. Um, which is a terrible name. It's even a terrible acronym. Like, I don't know what I thought I was doing back then. Not as um, fancy as Seed and Spark. Not quite as, no, no. Kind of hard to type that into your web address, too. Yeah, worse. The worst idea yeah. ever. Um, but, you know, I learned along the way. Uh, and so I just talked to everybody who would talk to me. And, a, you know, a bunch of films, because Kickstarter and Sundance have an exclusive partnership, right? So there were already that year um, Kickstarter films in Sundance. And uh, I talked to everyone who would talk to me about the experience of using those platforms and would they like something that was more focused on audience building that allowed you to accrue audiences even after the funding was closed? Um, What kind of tools would you like to see? And at that time, it was just a film-specific crowdfunding platform. And there were a few that had launched that year, and all of them failed almost right away. So I was nervous, and I I realized I, I needed to do a lot of research. Um, but that trip to Sundance netted me a lot of really valuable information and a couple of advisors. Uh, before you go into that, let me ask you, the, the, the platforms that failed, mm-hmm. uh, of which you said there, are, there were numerous of them. I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to name names, but more, important, but more importantly, why did they fail? Well, Kickstarter is really good at being Kickstarter. And Indiegogo is really good at being Indiegogo. So if you're not – basically, they were literally just – film-specific carbon copies of those sites. And uh, they had names that were not as good and no traction, really. So it was really just that um, 
if you were going to enter into a crowdfunding vertical, you would have to offer more solutions to the problems of that community than just the funding. Because if it's just the funding, there's no reason not to go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo, right? We needed to do much, much more. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I can be, I can be more specific. No, 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 that, that, that's good. I mean, there, there are other questions that, I, that I'm going to want to ask you about Seed and sure. Spark, but I, but I have a feeling that we're getting there. So just yeah. uh, it, like, so you're, you're at this nascent stage with Seed and Spark, you've just yeah. gone to Sundance, you're taking on some advisors who are, yeah. who, are and, who are giving you advice on, on, on what specifically? Well, at that time, they were giving me advice on starting a tech company, which was not something that I was prepared to do. But then again, I wasn't prepared to produce a film. So I had a sort of um, arrogant overconfidence in my ability to figure it out. Um, and at that point, basically, in, in a meeting with one of the advisors, he said, well, Emily, if you're going to build a platform that helps filmmakers build these audiences, why wouldn't you help them monetize them? And from the depths of my soul, I was like, because I don't want to get into the distribution business. Are you insane? And no sooner did those words come out that I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get into the dis- distribution business. Um, <laughs> because Wait, so bad, which is not, not a bad place to be if you can actually do it well and you got an interesting take on it. But it's, uh, it's really hard out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, it's hard for so many reasons. And, you know, I would not pretend to say that Seed and Spark has even proven its business model yet on that front. We have a long way to go and really exciting plans um, and some announcements forthcoming that I think are, are game-changing as far as we're concerned. But, um, you know, the, the online distribution business is like the Wild West. It's like a weird land grab in a place where space is infinite. And that's, like, hard to think about in a way. Um, so, you know, if you have an infinite amount of space, how do you attract the maximum number of people to the one bit of that infinite space that you claim? Um, and that's really the challenge going forward, right? That's what all the distribution companies are trying to figure out. And it's, you know, it's some combination, I think, of, um, what's most important is curation, um, early, early filmmaker engagement in, in audience building and um, probably most importantly, education, both for filmmakers and audiences. Um, because, you know, I don't, I don't know why there isn't, I mean, I know why there isn't. Um, producers and film festivals and sort of the whole distribution business at large doesn't really want to talk about what the real numbers say. And that is that at the end of the day, even in the best possible distribution deal, even if your film gets picked up at Sundance and makes $60 million at the box office, the return to the creator on average is zero. Zero. And that's, that's not a way to make a living. Um, And so we have this sort of big, hairy, audacious goal of participating in a movement, and it's not going to be only Seed and Spark that does this, but it's going to be Seed and Spark and Tug and VHX and uh, Yekra and IndieFlix. It's going to be a sort of um, a new generation of options that give rise to, uh, you know, a flourishing creative middle class. So Um, uh, now is probably a good point just to – if you could – for 
uh, I guess, a moment. Just take us through what Seed and Spark is for those that sure. for those. I mean, because we, we've kind of talked about what what the problems are. We've talked about how Seed and Spark is is uh, uh, as an idea. Uh, uh, not only fulfills a niche, but also solves a problem. But if you were to, I guess, give us a, a 360 picture of what Seed and Spark is, um, how would you describe it? Sure. Um, we're one place where audiences can go to fund and follow and discover and watch films. Um, from the filmmaker standpoint, that means that we're a place where from the very nascent stage of an idea, you can start to build community and funding um, and sourcing for your film and also for your career. Um, because ultimately, really what filmmakers need to be doing is building their, their following for themselves to carry to the next film and the film after and the film after that. So we offer a crowdfunding tool um, that works like a wedding registry. We call it the wish list, where you uh, list the items that you need and their associated costs. Um, and uh, audiences can come and they can put money towards those items or they can just loan them to you directly, right? So if you needed a red Chevy Cruze Eco for your movie, I might be able to loan mine to you for your picture car for the period of time of your film. And that would knock a chunk out of your crowdfunding budget, obviously, because that's money you wouldn't have to spend on a rental. So it's both crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. Um, and then once your campaign is finished, you can continue to gather followers to the page. So let's say I didn't hear about your movie until after the crowdfunding campaign was closed, but I'm really excited to know what happens next and where it might screen and what festivals it's going to. I can follow. Um, and then let's say uh, your first crowdfunding campaign was to raise money for development. And you do development, and you get your actors attached, and you're really excited, and now you need to come back for the last gap of your production funding. You can do that right inside the same page that you launched with your first campaign. Um, because what we've seen across all crowdfunding platforms, but also across the indie film business at large, is a move towards staged financing. So it used to be that you couldn't get an investor to touch their checkbook until you had 100% of the money from development through P&A committed. Um, and now we're starting to see more and more that it actually makes sense to help kind of push films through stages. Um, and crowdfunding has been used for that. So we're purpose-built for staged financing, should you like to use it. Um, and then when your film is finished, you can stream it on our platform directly to those funders and followers who've been following you all along. Um, and it's a, it's a transactional platform, and we take no rights it's non-exclusive, and it's an 80-20 split. So, sorry. Alistair really likes this part. Um, so the filmmakers keep 100% of the rights, 80% of the revenue, um, and yeah, that's, that's the 360 view. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, a success story. Can, can you walk us through a, a project that, because uh, if I'm right, the can any film become part of Seed and Spark, or is Seed and Spark to a certain extent curated in its selection of films? We're curated. Um, <clears throat> so not everyone is ready to crowdfund. And um, we are very hands-on, and we walk filmmakers from stage to stage through the crowdfunding process. Um, and there are 
uh, some projects where, you know, it's clear that it's not ready to get off the ground or it's clear that the filmmaker sort of isn't quite sure who their audience is. Um, there are some big question marks, um, that have to be answered before, sorry, big questions that have to be answered before it's very easy to, um, actually raise money. Um, hi, Alistair. (laughs) Um, he's feeling left out. Uh, so I think, um, I think one of the really important things to keep in mind is, um, is that if you can't answer these two questions, I'm really sorry about him. Um, where is my audience? Like in the world, there are human beings out there who are, might be interested in watching your movie. Where are they? And what inspires them? Right? That's how you're going to start to build out a crowdfunding campaign that really speaks to those people and will inspire them to get involved. Because ultimately crowdfunding is about an offering. So we curate on the level of, you know, filmmakers who are, you know, confidently answering those questions. Um, and then on the cinema side, um, we believe curation is the only way that indie films that lack the context of, you know, stars or hundred million dollar marketing budgets, um, is the only way that they can really get through an audience member's decision-making process. Um, so it's highly curated on the cinema side, meaning, um, yes, we're selective about the films, um, and we organize them with expert curators who put them together in what we call these conversations, right? These are slates of films that are sort of linked uh, thematically in some way um, that we think by association will drive more viewership. Now, perhaps you could t- walk us through a success story, a project that has come through that you guys have curated that it's kind of gone right from the beginning through to the distribution. Can you just take us through an example of, of, of something that, that worked, that worked well on the platform? Yes and no. Um, we've only, because we've only been live for 13 months, most of the films that have funded with us are just hitting, uh, the festival circuit now, right? So many of them are not quite ready for distribution. Um, that said, there was a, um, a short film called Bird Call that only needed to raise, uh, I think, $1,100. They were shooting um, over a couple of days. They came onto the site. They raised their money really quickly. They actually raised a little more than they needed. Um, they shot the film. They finished the film. And they released it directly on Seed and Spark within just a few months. Um, and what was really cool was, so I haven't mentioned this yet, but... The, um, the site rewards you for your participation. So when you contribute to a crowdfunding campaign on Seed and Spark, the filmmaker offers rewards much like the other perks-based crowdfunding platforms. But the site also gives you rewards called Sparks. And these are like uh, points that you can accrue um, that allow you to watch films for free on the site. And we still pay the filmmaker for those views. Um, and what I thought was really interesting about Bird Call is that all of the people who contributed to the campaign pretty much had earned enough sparks to watch the film for free, but they chose to pay to watch the film. And that was really interesting. This is anecdotal evidence so far, but I thought that was really, really interesting and exciting for us. So um, in the next like 
four to six months, we'll see a bunch more films that have crowdfunded with us start to hit the streaming side. And maybe we can touch base then and I can have more data for you. Uh, that's a must. Uh, <laughs> definitely want to do that. But since you're kind of in the middle of getting uh, what is ostensibly a tech company and a platform off the ground, yeah. let's, let's talk about that for just, for, for, just, for just a minute. Sure. You are in a very competitive niche. You're going yep. up against, you know, obviously the, the, the big boys in this vertical uh, who've been around. What are you doing right now to, um, to get people... I mean, obviously podcasts like this are great, but what is, sure. what is the marketing campaign for Seed and Spark? Sure. Um, so because we're a highly curated platform, we have uh, a couple of advantages, right? The first one is um, our success rate blows our competitors out of the water. So um, a film crowdfunding campaign the average size of Kickstarter is actually $7,500, and the average success rate is 39%. On Seed and Spark, the average campaign size is $15,500, and the average success rate is 70%. That's really um, good. Yeah, I know. Um, so <laughs> so um, because we're small and we're competing against guys that have, guys, by the way, they're guys and we're not, um, that have really big budgets, um, we do a lot of on-the-ground, hand-to-hand outreach. So in, uh, in New York, we sit in the IFP Media Lab, where we meet a lot of filmmakers every day. In, um, in uh, Los Angeles, we sit at the Hub, um, where there are a lot of filmmakers and creative professionals working there. We organize Twitter chats, um, on-the-ground events. We show up at festivals. Um, we teach crowdfunding workshops, and we really... Um, meet the filmmakers face-to-face um, to make them comfortable not only with us but with a new platform um, because we don't have to do the kind of numbers that Kickstarter Indiegogo does given our success rate and our average project size. Um, we just have to do what we do really well because our goal is not to become the only crowdfunding platform in the film space. The goal is to become... The crowdfunding platform where when people hear that a new Seed and Spark project has launched, they get excited because they think it must be good. Right. One of the things we're trying to combat, obviously, is crowdfunding fatigue. Yeah, which is which is tough because, you know, that's kind of where everybody's pointing to these days. And by yeah. having a curated environment, you, you do tackle that head on. We also have some plans for the ways that we can link the the streaming platform and the crowdfunding platform that I think will make um, the whole environment much richer, but I can't talk about them yet. So when we come back to each other in a couple of months, um, maybe we'll be making those announcements. You said earlier on that you know you were scared about getting into the the distribution world. Uh, you know, we recently had uh, Nicholas Gond on the show, the the CEO of Tug, yeah. and. You know, I asked him straight up, are, are you a distributor or are you a platform? And he was very specific. He is not a distributor. He is a platform. He's a, he's a technology that filmmakers can use. From your perspective, do you see yourself as a distributor? Do you see yourself as a platform somewhere in between? How do you think of yourself? I think um, right now we're a platform. And 
uh, we do a little bit more than the average platform does. We do marketing. We help filmmakers with their outreach. We have press lists. We do press releases. Um, you know, we do a lot of social media amplification on behalf of our filmmakers. We include them in Twitter chats. We organize on-the-ground film festivals for films that are already streaming in our cinema. We do more than the average platform does. Um, but right now, we are still a self-distribution platform. Um, as we move into 2014, I think we're going to become something more of a hybrid. Uh, and part of that is because... Uh, a single filmmaker just will very rarely be able to do what we are able to do sort of as, as a team, as all of the filmmakers together. Um, so I think if, if Seed and Spark is becoming a brand, like a place where people know they can fund and follow and watch and discover great independent film, um, we have to take responsibility for that and we have to um, behave in some senses uh, as a distributor, although we're sort of, we're sort of an exhibitor <laughs> in a way. Um, and, and the funny thing about the, the new space is there, there aren't totally correct words for how to talk about us. Although Nick Gonda would have them because that man can spin a metaphor like nobody on the planet. <laughs> yeah. He's a very in, in, insightful guy there. That's uh, that's for sure. But the interesting thing, you know, that, that I think about when I, when I think about seed and spark and I think about platforms like, like tug and gather and some of those, you know, those social media or, you know, crowd, driven theatrical models mm -hmm. is kind of this place in time where there's an integration between the seed and sparks of this world uh, uh, to the extent that there are more, but I think you're fairly unique in the space. Uh, if not, you know, I, I, I don't know who your competitors are in this space, but you're the only one that I think has actually hit so many very salient and you know important points for filmmakers. Uh, but that being said, well, what, what I'm you know what I'm curious about is really the integration between a seed and spark and a tug and, and a tug or a gather was you know to the point where you can actually take the filmmakers straight yeah. from inception into the theater. Oh, don't you worry, friend. Nick and I have plans. All right. All right. <laughs> Okay, so fair enough, fair enough. I'll uh, I'll leave that one there. Um, can you tell me what the what are the mistakes? What are the problems? What are the what are the things that filmmakers are doing wrong when it comes to crowdfunding? Oh well, right. So the first is assuming that the platform is going to be the solution. So I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm going to put my film on Kickstarter and Indiegogo because that's where the people are. And um, it's just, it's only, it's only very kind of true. <laughs> and even the folks at Indiegogo and Kickstarter will tell you crowdfunding campaigns are successful because of the crowdfunder, not because of the platform per se. Um, so you still have to do the work. Um, Seed and Spark is unique in that we do a lot of social media amplification for you and we, we do a lot of hand-holding. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, I think, figuring out, uh, I said this before, who's your audience? And I think um, there is a broad assumption, and I certainly made it in the beginning as well, that 
Um, what goes into an investor business plan is in any way similar to what goes into a crowdfunding ask. Um, so an audience is a group of real human beings who have lives that they live every day. And um, they're not going to get involved in a crowdfunding campaign because they are a woman ages 25 to 40 uh, with a professional career and a college education, right? Like that is not who your audience is. That's a demographic. It is a very vague notion and it's useless to you in crowdfunding. Um, you have to know who are the people, the real live people who are going to be interested in what you're offering. And that would be the third thing that I would say is to understand that a crowdfunding campaign is not an ask. You can't get online and go, please, somebody give to my campaign or I can't make this movie because nobody cares, right? It's about um, here is a very personal story about a journey that led me to making this film. And here's what I think this film will do. Will you join me on this journey, right? It's an offering. Um, and that's probably the most important piece of it. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, people launch crowdfunding campaigns with zero followers on Twitter and, you know, 200 likes on their Facebook page. And like, you just won't get conversions out of that. Um, they don't listen to the statistics that still the most important conversions are personal emails, personal Facebook messages, direct messaging on Twitter. Those are still the highest conversion rates. Um, and that, you know, the first 20% for the most part, is got to come from your own community um, in order to legitimize you to strangers. That was a lot of things. No, that's really all very, very insightful things. Um, I, and I think the third one is actually, like you said, the most important. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that's a mistake. It's kind of the mistake that people make just in general with Facebook and Twitter is believing that you know, Twitter is a means for distribution and, and it's not, it's a means for engagement. It's that's the same right. thing for, for Facebook, just throwing up content. There isn't uh, you know, that that's not distribution. You're not, there's no engagement there. So that's right. Uh, I, I guess the, the difficult thing for people who are starting from ground zero, if they don't have a Twitter following, if they don't have a Facebook following, uh, it does become a more difficult, um, it would become, I guess, a more difficult play for them, save for their own, as you say, uh, you know, personal community. Well, so here's, uh, well, I'll just put that in context really quickly, because that's true, but it, that sounds more discouraging than I would like it to, right? So um, I think one of the things that we have been taught, you know, since day zero in filmmaking is that the best possible thing would be to premiere at Sundance and to have your film sell to Sony Picture Classics and then obviously get nominated for an Oscar and blah, 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 right? The problem is when you sell your film to a distributor, you also sell them your audience. So they would take over the film's Facebook page and the film's Twitter account and they would own your audience, not you. And so your next film, you got to start over from zero, so it's really about taking every single opportunity to build your email list and build your personal Twitter following and your personal Facebook contacts or page um, so that 
even if you sold a film to a distributor, which by the way, like that would be amazing to go to Sundance and sell to Sony Picture Classics. Um, I encourage everyone to do that, even though um, less than 0.1% of us will ever have a chance to. Um, uh, I think it's, it's really about making sure that you get to retain your connection to your audience because those are the people who will give you a seat at the bargaining table. You know, if you walked into that meeting with Sony Picture Classics and you said, I have a 100,000 person emailing list, I have 15,000 followers on Twitter, I have, you know, 200,000 likes on my Facebook page, and these are big numbers, right? It can be way scaled down from this. Um, I don't like your deal. So I want you to return, I want this box office split, I want bumps at this rate and this rate, and then I want... Um, a better split on the back end because I'm actually bringing most of the audience. I'm saving you a bunch of P&A money, so you're going to return more money to me. It is the only thing, the audience engagement, interaction, and connection is the only thing that gives filmmakers actual independence all the way through their careers. Uh, that's really cool, actually, to think about, to think that those things matter in a real world negotiating context with absolutely uh, well yeah i mean and then and then you get to grow up to be a shane caruth of the world and say i'm not taking any of your deals i'm going to go out with this by myself thank you very much and every single dollar that's going to come back to the production is going into my pocket or my investor's pocket or whatever and by the way paying your investors back good idea yeah also uh, looking at the statistics, difficult thing to accomplish. So I, you yep. know, being, being able to, to do the things that, you know, seed and spark allows a filmmaker to do is really, really, really interesting. Um, you know, just because we're wrapping up here and you know, would you, would you believe we've actually blasted through 40 minutes now? No, I can't. It just goes I, so quickly. I blather on, don't I? Goodness. I, I, well, you know, I, there's a lot more. I could keep on asking questions for the next hour and I probably would just be getting started. I feel like I, I feel like I haven't even gotten through half my list of questions, which is why we have to do this again. But, uh, just in wrapping up. Uh, would you have any parting, you know, thoughts for uh, people who, you know, want to come to Seed and Spark, engage with Seed and Spark, you know, for the first time? What kind of advice would you give to filmmakers or audiences listening to this right now, you know, in terms of, okay, what's what's the first step here before they kind of, you know, when they first come to Seed and Spark, they, they, they sure. see what you guys are up to? Yeah. Know, what, do you, what do you want them to, to come away with? Well, I think it's, I think it's really important to... Um, watch movies and contribute to campaigns that are trying to, their best to do it um, themselves. Um, because in order to really learn about why a community like this might be valuable, you've got to, you've got to dip your toe in the water, right? Um, and if you sign up on Seed and Spark and contribute $25 to any campaign, you can automatically start watching a feature film for free. Um, it's really, really lo like low barrier of entry. You can, of course, sign up and join the community totally free. You can launch a campaign totally free. You can um, submit a movie for streaming. It's totally free also. Um, and just kind of learn about who's there. There's a lot of really incredible filmmakers. The other thing is that every other week, and uh, the, the next one is this coming Tuesday from uh, 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday, is that February mm, oh, no, no, 4th? Um, we do Twitter chats and we, um, if you monitor the hashtag film curious, 
uh, on Tuesday at that time, um, we engage the community on a whole host of topics, um, and we crowdsource those questions. So really what we've done is, is sort of carve out a space on Twitter um, twice a month where our filmmakers can meet each other, they can meet their audiences, they can discuss what's exciting to them, what's concerning them, they can learn from one another, and we're already starting to see them collaborate with one another and build bigger followings using this um, this you know these two hours a month. Awesome. So that would be a great way to get engaged with us as well. Cool. So hashtag film curious twice a month. You can hop on and, and engage with Seed and Spark, ask questions, get answers. Uh, just because I think this episode is going to air just the, the following week. So I want uh, anybody else to be able to go on, you know, it, when, whenever they listen, listen to this podcast, to be able to hop onto Twitter and, you know, get involved in that. Yeah. Hang out on at Seed and Spark. Yep. Um, just shoot us a shoot us a note and we'll, or shoot us a tweet, I guess, and we'll let you know when the next uh, Film Curious Twitter chat is and um, follow you back and whatnot. Awesome. Emily, thank you so much for your time today. This has been, this has been awesome. It's been inspiring. Um, I've learned a ton and, uh, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me.